Well, good morning. Happy Father's Day. Uh, love Father's Day. Um, we just got back from camp uh, Saturday. Yesterday. Is that yesterday? Uh, camp was yesterday. We, we, we returned home. And, and I'm thankful for our student ministry. I'm thankful for Andrew Wade. And, I, and there's so many reasons why I'm thankful for Andrew, but one of the things that I'm grateful for is the Father's Day lesson, the fatherhood lesson that all of our high school kids got to see up close and personal this week. See, Andrew didn't go to camp, um, and that's a tough decision to make. He didn't go because Willow was born on... Look at Willow. She was born on Friday. And so Andrew knew that this was, it was game time. And, uh, and I'm thankful for the lesson that he showed. Because he taught all of our high school kids how important it was to first of all be a man of God. Then to take care of his first ministry, which is his calling to be a husband. Uh, then his calling to be a father. And so he stayed home, and he prepared uh, Caleb Bundy and Aaron Cole incredibly well, and they led incredibly well at camp this last week, and I'm so thankful for them. I'm thankful for all of our workers, because a lot of our adult workers stepped up and led at camp incredibly well. I'm thankful for our staff. Several of our staff rallied at camp. Brad Ayler went all week. Uh, Misael went all week. Hunter uh, went all week. And, and our staff rallied. And then I'm thankful for our students. God moved this week. And I'm thankful, so very thankful. And thanks for supporting camp. Now, I also want to encourage you, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Kings 18. Now, we, are, we have been in the book of Kings. We finished the book of 1 Kings today. And, and if you have not jumped into our Bible reading, I just want to plead with you, jump in where we are. You may be discouraged because you may be behind in our reading. Don't worry about that. Jump in where we are because every week we are going to be preaching through and then in Bible study, we're studying the same passage, a passage that we've read throughout the week. And this week, we were in 1 Kings 18. And, and I'll tell you, it's an in, incredible book. And, and, and it really, when I look at this passage, it speaks to one of our core values. At our church, we have several core values. One of those values is that we are called to be ambassadors for Christ. That we get that from 2 Corinthians 5.20 that says this, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. It is as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So we understand and we believe that God has called us to this place at this time and we are to represent Christ everywhere we go. And this is a calling we have. This is a value. And when I look at 1 Kings 18, it, is, it speaks to this value. 
And I, and I want to challenge you to be in the Word of God with us because God's Word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path, like Psalm 119, 105 says. And, and it's, it's so very valuable for us, especially this year, as we read the entirety of the Bible together. Now, 1 Kings 18 is the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel. You know what's crazy? About two weeks ago, my, 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 my schedule's been wacky, but uh, I can't remember when I got back from Israel. It was in the last couple of weeks. We were on Mount Carmel a couple of weeks ago. We have a picture of it. And, and this is the top of Mount Carmel. And, and we got to be there. And I don't know if it was that spot, but that's the neighborhood right there of when, when 1 Kings 18 took place. And this is this most, it's one of the most incredible stories in the Bible because that was the place that from a cloudless sky, the fire of God fell. And I'll tell you, it was, a, it was an event. It was a moment to watch. I, I can only imagine being there on that, in that neighborhood right there when the literal fire of God came out of the sky and bam, on the altar. And, and that's when 850 prophets of Baal, well, 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah, which were these false gods, they all died that day. It was a showdown of all showdowns. And it was one of the most incredible moments. Now, now in all honesty, at the end of 1 Kings, you see so many incredible works of God. We just sung about that. We just sung about the works of God, how God's powerful. And then sometimes that comes off our lips, but, but we don't really let it sink into our minds and our hearts. And this morning, I want that to be in our hearts, in our minds, the power of God. And let's, let's just kind of hover over these chapters that we've read over the uh, last few days. And, and in 1 Kings, you see this, you see uh, like yesterday, Robin and I were driving back from False Creek, and, um, and we were talking about this passage, and, and Robin had just said, you know, in my journal today, I wrote down all the things that God did, and she started going through her list. And I, and I was just amazed, and here's what she wrote down. She, she, she talked about how, how in, it's in this section of Scripture that Elijah said to Ahab, Ahab was the king, and, and we read this week that Ahab was the worst king in the history of the kings of Israel. How would you like that reputation? Okay, that's not the reputation you want. He was the worst of all of them. He was the most ungodly. He was the most rebellious. And, and it was Elijah that said to Ahab, hey, Ahab, it's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain. And sure enough, three years, it's been a drought. There's a famine in the land. And this was the moment that, and you see in this passage when uh, Elijah calls the rain, this cloud, it said, they looked at the cloud and said, it's like the size of a man's hand. And then this horrendous rainstorm, probably worse than we experienced last night. Who woke up last night in the rainstorm, right? I did. I was like, whoa, what's going on out there? And, um, and it was a rainstorm probably worse than that that hit Mount Carmel. You also see in this text this moment where ravens brought bread and meat 
to Elijah, this incredible work of God. You, you see in this passage of scripture that we read the story of Zarephath. And she was this widow who, it was a famine and people didn't have a way to provide for themselves. It was a tough time. And, and Elijah said, look, God's going to give you oil and bread that's never going to run out. And this, was, this happened right there in this passage of scripture. You also see Zarephath's son dies. Elijah lays on him and he comes back to life. And then the, the biggest story, the one that's most memorable, is the story in chapter 18 of the showdown between Elijah and the false prophets. Now, th- there's a lot in this story, and, we've, uh, and if you've been to Bible study today, you've looked at it today, but, but, but I want us to kind of hover through here, and, I, and there's just some things on my heart in this narrative that I want us to dig into. So let's stand together, and I want us to read verses 16 through 21 in chapter 18. And, and we're picking up kind of in the middle of the story because, um, you know, Obadiah and, and Elijah had, had run into each other in the woods. And Elijah had said to Obadiah, I want you to tell Ahab to come, come meet me because it's on. And Obadiah is a leader, Elijah is a leader, and they have this little conflict, and then you see the beginning of this story as it unfolds. Let's look at verse 16. So that's kind of where we're picking it up. So Obadiah, verse 16, went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, is it you? you troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you have, and your father's house, because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Now therefore, send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, and the 450 prophets of Baal, and the 400 prophets of Asherah, who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And all the people did not answer him a word. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. May be seated. Now, this is a fascinating story. Because one of the things that Elijah prayed, Lord, I pray that all of Israel would know that you are God. And then you know what happened on Mount Carmel? This showdown took place, and it was crystal clear that God was the king of all kings. And Baal and Asherah were made up, silent, nothing. Now, I want to to catch some details here. First of all, you see in this text, and you see through this whole story, that there were 400 prophets of Baal. And what's interesting, it was a drought. And so a lot of people, Baal was kind of had this reputation of being the god of thunder, the god of the storms. 
And they worshiped him in that way, this made-up God in that way. The thing about Baal, Baal has no eyes, has no ears, can't do anything. And, and then there were, six, there were 400 prophets of Asherah, and, and they were kind of connected to Jezebel, who was the wife of Ahab, who was the, one of the most wicked um, uh, spouses of a king that ever lived and has huge reputation from this point on, and it even is re- she's even referenced in the book of Revelation in the end times, or her reputation is. And, and, and you know, it's, it's interesting as you look at this showdown, because Elijah says, I want all the people of God to gather, because I want them to see this. And when you look at this story, it kind of appears at first glance to be this underdog story. And we like the underdog stories. We we, we all loved Hoosiers, you know, you saw that movie probably, and, and, and we like Rudy, you know, if you saw that, I'm dating myself probably a little bit, some of you younger people are like, I never saw those movies, but, but, but we, you saw those? All right. Um, well, that makes me feel good today, because um, a kid at False Creek looked at me and said, you're an old man, and I'm like, oh, cool, thanks, um, and um, uh, I, I just told him I resemble that remark, and so that's what I said to him, he didn't know what to say, uh, but But at first glance, you look at this story and it seems like an underdog story. But it's really not. Because let's think about it. Yeah, it's Elijah as one, and the prophets of these false gods are 850. But it's really 850 prophets against God. So really, it's not an underdog story because can I just say to you, who can fight against the master of this whole place? Like, like if God, when God shows up and shows himself, there's not a, there's nothing but surrender. It's why the Bible says that, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. I was with my mom yesterday. We were talking about my dad's. It's my first Father's Day without my dad. We were talking about heaven. And, and you know, the, she was asking me, what is it, it going to be like? What was it like when, when your dad entered heaven? Oh, he's in the presence of God. Guess what? Philippians, which we read, says every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that you're Lord. Because when we're in the presence of God, we know that he's Lord. So let's be honest about this story. It's not really an underdog story because it's 850 prophets against the master of this whole place. So the fire of God fell. But let's, let's pay attention to some of the players. Notice the players. You see Elijah there, right? See, look at, look at your Bibles there. Elijah's there. Um, you know, he's one of the most important figures in the Old and the New Testament. You ought to research, you ought to dig into Elijah and, and pay attention of, to, to where he shows up in the New Testament and, and even has inter- interesting implications in final days, in day, in time prophecy, which I would argue we're, we're kind of seeing play out in front of our eyes. But Elijah, who, who was he? He was a praying prophet. And, and, I, and I, I'm always inspired when I rub shoulders with these men of God, these, the people of God who know how to pray. Elijah was a prayer. 
And, 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 and this, is, this always inspires me and it moves me to go, man, I want to be, I want to learn how to pray. You know, that the Jesus prayed. Elijah prayed. And, and God moves when we pray. And, it, and, and every time I rub shoulders with a prayer, prayer, does that, that make sense? A person that prays, like Elijah, I'm inspired to pray. And I'm moved and convicted that, Lord, am I praying like I need to pray? Elijah prayed. He was a bold prophet. I'm inspired by Elijah's boldness. He's a little cocky, right? He's a little smart aleck. I kind of like that. He, he, in this showdown, I mean, the, the prophets of Baal and Asher are dancing around their altar, and Elijah's up there going, hey, maybe, maybe he's asleep. Maybe he's going to the bathroom. That's really what he's saying there. Go wake him up. Yell louder. Cut yourselves more. Because they're cutting themselves, dancing around the altar. And then it came Elijah's turn. He said, hey, dump a bunch of water in there. Let's recognize it was a drought, right? Water's pretty precious. Hey, douse it with water. He does it multiple times. And then, boom, the fire of God falls. Elijah's this one that saw, prayed, and saw God do incredible things. But you know what else is about Elijah? In spite of that, he also doubted. You see in this narrative, in this story, that he struggled. He, 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 you know, after this incredible victory, when the fire of God fell, and he's like, boom, we won. Jezebel gets word out about him, about this event, and said, Jezebel, a, a lady, that says, I'm going to kill him. And he's scared and runs for his life. And that makes me go, Elijah, come on, man. You just had this win, and now you're doubting. But, man, he, Elijah's an interesting player. I can relate to you. Also, look at Obadiah there. See that? See Obadiah? He's also a key player in the story, an important player in the story. Obadiah is... Uh, was, it's a common name. There's a lot of people that wonder, is this the Obadiah that wrote the book of Obadiah? It's, an, it's a minor prophet in the Old Testament. Minor prophet doesn't mean less important. It just means shorter. And some have said, is this the Obadiah? Um, probably not uh, that Obadiah. Obadiah was a common name. Um, but, but one of the things we know about Obadiah from the text was is that he was a man that feared the Lord. He loved the Lord. He was serving the Lord. And, and when you think about Obadiah, he's, he's interesting. He was a steward of Ahab's household. And, and think about that calling, to be, to be called to serve an ungodly king, the most ungodly king. He's kind of like a, uh, maybe in our day, a, a Christian who's serving an ungodly boss or um, an unjust leader. Um, and, and that's where Obadiah was. And, 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 you know, I read about Obadiah a little bit. And, and he, uh, you know, Elijah had this public confrontational ministry, but Obadiah was one who kind of worked behind the scenes. And, and, and he was faithful in his sphere, in his, in his service. And, 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 you know, it reminds me how in 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 12 that, that God calls us all to different works. You kind of see in this text, as it unfolds, you see a little tension between Elijah and Obadiah. 
you almost wonder, it reminds me of sometimes the tensions we have in church and the way we're called to work together and, and how God uses all of us. It's an interesting uh, moment in the history of God's people. But, but you know what? It reminds me too uh, as, uh, as we see the world's greatest problem. You know what the world's greatest problem is, don't you? It's not government or, or a political problem. Lostness is the world's greatest problem. And you see people that are just going their own way. And, and, and this morning, I, I just want you to notice something as we just observe Elijah and Obadiah and, and think about our calling to be ambassadors for Christ. And, and you see that ambassadors for Christ have common characteristics here. You know, God calls each of us to specific roles. You're called to a specific role. You realize my job as your pastor is, is not to do ministry for you, but it's to equip you for the work of ministry. And in this narrative, you see some interesting challenges. You see the, the people of God that have come together that, that weren't serving the Lord. And I want us to feel that a little bit. You, you see that... Um, that, that Elijah and Obadiah, that, that, that God calls his people to, to specific risks. You know, Obadiah was, was, was afraid of Ahab. And he said to Elijah, hey, you know, Elijah, Ahab may kill me. You, you see, Elijah taking a risk and taking a step of faith. And, and, and to me, it's a reminder for all of us that we're called to live by faith. Sometimes in our walk with the Lord, we want to be safe and we want to be comfortable. Let's never forget that God doesn't call us to safety. God calls us to obedience. And, and, and you know, one of, the, one of the worst things we can do, I can do as a father is to model for my kids a safe and comfortable Christianity. And you know what I'm grateful as I look at Obadiah, I look at Elijah, and I hear this challenge to God's people it reminds me that God has not called us to safety. And fathers, when I look at this Father's Day passage that we're in on Father's Day, I pray that you are moved to be an example of faith to your family, to your children, to your grandchildren, generation after generation. And I'm reminded here that God calls us to take risks. Are you doing that? Is your walk with God marked by steps of faith? Or are you just doing what you can do? Also, you look at Obadiah and Elijah, and they're, and they're working together. Um, and, I, and, I, and God calls us to work together as ambassadors for Christ. But you know what I want us to do? And hey, get comfortable. I'm, I'm a priest in three weeks, so we're, we'll just get comfy today. Look at verse 17. I want us to feel this. You know, you know, often when we preach this passage, we go straight to the victory. But I want us to feel this. In verse 17, when Ahab saw Elijah, and Ahab said to him, Is it you, O tr you troubler of Israel? And he answered, I've not troubled Israel, but you have. 
and your father's house. Why? Because you abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Now therefore, send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel and 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezreel's table. Get all the people there. Get all the false prophets there. So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people. And look what he says. Let's feel this. How long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer a word. You know what? The people of God knew better. They watched God move. All through their history, they watched the Lord move. And yet they were so quick to follow another God. And I I think it's such an interesting picture as Elijah looks at the people of God and said, and get this visual in your mind. How long will you go limping between two opinions. Aren't there just two choices in life? You either follow what God says or you, or you don't. Whether your God is following your own path, whether your God is some other religion that a man made up, There's really only two choices. You follow what God says or you don't. You know what I pray today? Yeah, this this is a great victory. But you know what I feel? Many people, maybe even in this room, if you're really honest, you're limping between two opinions. When I think about ambassadors for Christ, they're all in. Ambassadors for Christ don't limp between two opinions. I look at our high school kids that are going to college. You know what we've challenged them to do? And and Andrew's done such a good job as his as their youth minister to push them, hey, we don't limp between two opinions. We're all in following Jesus. You know what? As a father to my children, as a husband to my wife, as a father to my children, the greatest legacy I can leave is one that does not limp between two opinions, one that's all in. And I want us to feel this today. There's no halfway to follow, following Jesus. Remember those old bumper stickers that said, real men love Jesus? Remember those? They used to be everywhere. I haven't seen any in a while. 
That's really true. A real man will submit to the voice of God. A real man will repent quickly. A real man will submit to the Lord daily. A real man seeks the Lord. A real man embraces the rebuke of the Lord. A real man senses conviction from the Lord. And a real man doesn't limp between two opinions. But, but you know what? You see in this passage a really important lesson that the following Christ, you're never alone. There's always a group. I think there's an interesting uh, nugget here that I, that I just want to point out. Because, you know, Elijah was this bold prophet saying, hey, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve the Lord. I'm going to get out on my, I'm willing to stand by myself. And he says in 18 verse 22, look at verse 22. Elijah said to the people, I, even I, oh, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 150 men. Elijah's like, I'm by myself here. You know what he forgot? He forgot Obadiah. Because look back what Obadiah had told him. Elijah, you remember what I did. I, I, I've hid a hundred prophets. And, he, and look at verse uh, 18 verse 3, in this interaction, Ahab called Obadiah, who was over the household. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. When Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifties in a cave and led them with bread and water. And you see that, that look, Elijah's not standing alone. You aren't either when you follow the Lord. But do you know what else you see in this text? I want you to flip over to chapter 19. Because you know in chapter 19, both Elijah and Obadiah, you know what they see? That, that, and this is something that every time God works, and let's not miss this, because the fire of God fell here. And every time God works, do you, do you realize that every time God moves, what you discover is that God has been at work behind you. That God is at work beside you. That God is at work before you. And God is at work after you. Because notice what God says to Elijah in chapter 19, verse 18. He says, yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all knees that have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. So, so not only did uh, Elijah feel like he was all alone. And Obadiah's like, no, man, we got a hundred. God's like, dude, I got seven grand over here. Let's catch this. God is at work in the world. God's at work in our lives. God's calling us to not limp between two opinions, but to serve the Lord with all we have. And let's not forget that though things seem dark around us, though many are fearful, even in the church are fearful, God's at work powerfully. Who is going to go against the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords? And you know what I pray that you see today? 
is that confidence in the Lord will never fail you. I've needed that this week. Because as I left the Southern Baptist Convention on Wednesday, I drove to Houston. And I sat in the hospital with Harrison and Mallory Mosby. And our church has been following them. We're walking with them. And you know what? I walked in going, Lord, and Robin and I prayed. We walked in on Wednesday. Lord, help us. Help, help us to push them to confidence in you. And as I sat there and talked with Harrison and Mallory, this 25-year-old couple, um, they started talking about how the Lord is at work in their lives. And I left stronger in my faith from sitting with them. And I want you to know something. It reminded me that regardless of the circumstances, Confidence in the Lord will never fail you. But let's not miss, and i got to come in for a landing. So I'll do my best to do that. But, but you know when you see Elijah, you see Obadiah, and you see the people of God here. Because again, look back at verse 21. And Elijah came near to all the people. Think about that. He came near to the people. And he looked at the people. He's like, all you people that are followers of God, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal's God, follow him. And how tragic. Look at that. And the people did not answer him a word. May that never be us. May, may we never be silent when we hear the call of God. It reminds me of that ambassadors for Christ they speak up I want you to grab this You've got a, there's a Bible close to you I want you to grab one of these there's room, there's some for everybody and, and, and if you don't have one right next to you if maybe there's, they're, they're all over the place I want you to leave with one of these you know what this is? This is a Gideon Bible. I've invited some Gideons here today. Tom McCoy is here, and Tom, come on up. And um, I, I, I'm, thank you for coming. Welcome, Tom. Give me a hand. You're welcome. Tom, um, Tom is a good brother in Christ. He attends an Assembly of God church, which means he has rhythm. That's the difference between us and assemblies. Um, um, we do dance, we just can't. 
dance very well. Um, but he's a good brother in Christ. He's a Gideon. Now, I want you to hold this Bible in your hand. I want you to, Tom, what is a Gideon? Tell us what a Gideon does. So the Gideon, Let's see. There we go. There we go. The Gideons is an organization of business and professional men and their wives led to win men and women and boys and girls to the saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ and distribution of God's holy word. We are organized in over 200 countries around the world. We distribute the word of God in 109 different languages. And you might read and think, well, I just see the hotel and motel Bibles, but it's so much more than that. Not only is it hotels and motels, but it's hospitals and nursing homes, and colleges and universities, and public and private schools, and jails and prisons, firemen, policemen, men and women of the armed forces. We place the word of God in the highways and byways of life. And praise God, on average, every month, we distribute six million Bibles around the world every month. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, that's cool. Okay, so the, the, when the Word of God, the Bible says it's never turned void. How, have, how have you seen God use His Word? Just in, like, that was a cool story. You, tell that story you told in the last service. I didn't know about that story. So yeah, Will, it, it's, it's really amazing. When six million Bibles go out every month, that's two Bibles every second. That kind of investment returns, is, has tremendous returns. You know, I was at a church camp last week, and uh, that's one of our new areas of distribution, and we gave out 650 Bibles, and I mean, it's just a madhouse. And one of the things that really blesses me is just, thank you, thank you, thank you. Or, oh, I have a little brother and sister at home. Can I have two extra? I'm like, yeah, here you go. There's a testimony the pastor was talking about where a gentleman named Randy Bjork, uh, he was a young man at a college in upstate New York, and the Gideons were there handing out Bibles. And they gave him a Bible, and he's like, yeah, whatever. And he put it in his pocket. Well, Randy was raised in a Christian home, but he fell away when he went to college. And when he went to college, his God became drugs and alcohol and goofing off and not paying attention in school. But he got that Gideon Bible. And, about, and actually, when he was given the Bible, he was actually on his way to the pub that morning to start drinking. As you know, that's not a good recipe for success. And about 30 days later, he really hit rock bottom. But he had that Gideon Bible in his back pocket. He took it out, and it took him about a month to read through it. And when he got to the end of it, he got on his knees, and he asked God, and he asked Jesus into his heart and became saved through the Word of God. No one ever talked to him. The Word of God saved him. But not only did it save him, it changed his life forever. It changed his future family's life forever. And his, he, he, he ended up becoming a Gideon, and he was very active in the Gideons, and one of his sons became a preacher, and that one little Bible made a tremendous difference. Another thing that really touches me is it's a, a, the Gideon Bible app. And I realize the last thing you would want is a, is a new app on your Bible. But the Gideon Bible app has the, word, has the Bible on an app, but it's in, it, it, it has the Word of God, and it'll speak to you in 243 different countries, 1,800 languages. And I was speaking at a church last summer, and a lady came up to me, and she said, 
hey, I'm ministering, ministering to some Afghan refugees in Tulsa. Do you have an Afghan Bible? And I'm like, no, but let's look on the Gideon Bible app. And sure enough, it's there. And let me just hit play. That's John 3 in the Afghan, Afghan, uh, Afghan Bible. And you can actually read it if you know how to read it. But what's amazing is you can get this app for free on your phone and you can witness to anybody on the planet with this in your back pocket. You know, I'm, I'm grateful for you today. And, and, and I want you to know there's a booth out there in, in, in the back. Um, how, how could we be involved? I want you to just mention that. So there's three basic ways to be involved. And number one is we need your prayers. prayers. Pray for the Gideon ministry. Pray for open doors. Unfortunately, in today's world, many doors get closed, like the public schools. Uh, it's very hard to give the kids the, the Bibles out to the public schools. And there's many countries, you know, we, we know which countries are horribly closed to any Christian ministry. We've got to remember those in our prayers. And we, we also need to pray for believers to have an increased burden for the spiritually lost around the world. And such a burden that people want to take action and pray about it. It's our scriptural responsibility to, to, to present the word of God to people around the world. Second, if you're interested in, in becoming part of this ministry, come talk to me at, up there at the booth afterwards. And third, if you feel led to give financially to this ministry, uh, there's an open Bible on the back on one of the counters back there where you can provide a gift. It would, you know, we take it for granted having the uh, Bibles. You know, I have dozens, and everyone has lots of Bibles in their home. But in 39 of the 200 countries where the Gideon work is organized, the average per capita income is only $4,000 per year. These people are struggling just to survive. There's no money for Bibles. The need is tremendous. And thank you, Pastor. Let me pray for you. Let's do, let's do that right now. Lord Jesus, I, I do pray for this ministry. I thank you for how you're using your word to draw people to yourself, how your Holy Spirit is working through the proclamation of your word and the giving away of the raw word. I thank you for how you've used your raw word in our hearts this year, in our church this year. Bless the Gideons. Bless the distribution of your word. Call men to this ministry. Call people to, to give. I love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, give him a hand. Give him a hand. Thank you, Tom. You know, <clears throat> I can't remember if I've given our last point or not. But you know, when I look at this text today, God moved Obadiah to speak up. God moved Elijah to speak up. God called Elijah to come close to the people and essentially say, speak up. You know what I think about ambassadors for Christ are called? Speak up. I want every one of you to leave with one of these Bibles. At least one. If you want more, we'll give you more. I want you to notice on the back of this Bible. What this is, it's basically the gospel message. 
the gospel presentation. My prayer has been that every one of us walk out of this room no longer limping between two opinions, but resolved and determined, Lord, we will follow you. Now it's time to speak up. And I'm not talking about just giving, I love it how they give to anybody. But this challenge with this Bible that you're holding in your hand, it's, it's different. I want to challenge you to give this Bible away this week to somebody that you know. Somebody you see. Somebody you walk with. And you could simply say, hey, um, I want to give this to you. In just a minute, you're going to pray for that person. So you can honestly say, I, I've prayed for you this week. And, and right here, this talks about the gospel, which changed my life. And I want to give this to you. And if you have any questions... I'm here for you. There you go. Maybe God will work a continued moment in that very moment. But can I remind you of something that we just saw today in this passage? Here's Obadiah and here's Elijah. The fire of God fell. But the whole time, God was working in front of them behind them, beside them, and after them. This is what God does in the world. Because you know what's going to happen here in just a minute? We're going to have an invitation, and, and we're going to do it differently today. If you need Jesus, it says how you can come to Christ right there. Talk to us afterwards. But in this moment, Joe's going to sing over us. And what I want us to do is all over the room, bow our head and close our eyes and hear that question. How long will you go limping between two decisions? Follow God. Look to Him. But then I want you to say, Lord, who do I give this to? And you let the Holy Spirit move you. You let the Holy Spirit bring a name to your mind, a face to your mind. And then it's time to speak up. So as Joe sings over us, I just want you to bow and go to the Lord. Right now, would you bow your head? Lord, would you speak? right now? Would you move right now? Would you give us faith? Give us boldness? Would you put somebody on our hearts right now?